0: Hello and welcome to the 94 Feet Report. I am your host, as always, Eric Spropolis, and you can find me on Twitter at Eric Spiros. This is Monday, November 7th. Um, We are about almost done with two weeks of the NBA season, and today we are lucky to have Tamberlyn Richardson on as our guest. Tamberlyn is the editor of Space City Scoop, the Houston Rockets-affiliated fan-sided blog, Um, also a contributor at Raptors Raptors Republic for ESPN, and she has her own show on the all-in-sports talk radio network. Tamberlin's tip-off. Tamberlin, how are you today? I'm great, Eric. How are you? I'm doing well. Currently have Rockets Wizards on in the background, so if I make any cheering or uh, booing noises during the show, that's why I'm watching the Rockets play. Um, <laughs> what do you think about Brewer starting? Uh, I have a lot of issues with that. Uh, uh, we can get to it if we have enough time at the end. I ha- I certainly have some issues with that. Yeah. Rockets Twitter completely agrees with you. <laughs> um, so in this show, everyone, we will be um, talking about some performers of the past week, um, talking about some disappointing teams so far in the season and, and also some surprising teams so far this season. Um, and then touching a little bit on some trade rumors such as Nerlens Noel and Brooke Lopez being on the trade market. And uh, that'll be essentially what we do, similar to last week's episode. Um, I just want to remind everyone before we start that the show is also brought to you by Fan Essentials. If you use the promo code 94FEET at checkout, you get 30% off your first Fan Essentials subscription package. And it's also brought to you by Daily Fantasy Nerd. So if you play a lot of Daily Fantasy, DraftKings, FanDuel, etc., um, you can check our personalized link um, on, both on my Twitter and in the episode descriptions on our blog talk radio page, um, to get some really good daily fantasy advice. With that being said, we can get into uh, some performers of the week. Again, this is in no order, but um, you know I have a couple of guys down who have really just stepped up their game this past week. Um, I'm going to start with... I just mentioned the Rockets. I'm going to start with James Harden. Uh, and so in, so far in November, in three games, he's averaging 33.7 points per game, 14 assists per game, and seven rebounds per game on 58% shooting. Tamblyn, what have you noticed from Harden's game that has really impressed you this season? Well, we always knew that he was a
1: scorer. We always We always knew that he would fill up the stat sheet. I think... What's been the most shocking is how good of a passer he is. He drives the lanes. Some of the passes he's made have been on the same level of someone like... I, I refer to him almost like a Manu Ginobili. You know that one pass that we remember from the playoffs when he ran to the corner and threw it across under the net to the opposite side? Yeah. I've seen Harden make some passes already this season that have been mind-blowing. Uh, the problem... I find and he's still figuring it out, you know, like he's still trying to figure out whether or not he should be getting his team involved, when he should be taking over, and I think that's been a little bit jilted in some of the games where he tries to get everyone started and then start scoring at the end, and I think the game will come more naturally to him once they, they get in a rhythm, and we'll see what happens when P- Pat Beverly comes back and Gordon is coming off the bench again, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, w- with Gordon in the starting lineup, the offense is really explosive. I think they're av- they're scoring as a team 130 points per 100 possessions, possessions which is really incredible. Um, and also the thing with Harden is that he's not really, I wouldn't say he's kind of hunting for assists, not like uh, Rajon Rondo putting up stats, you know, hunting for the assists. You know, Harden's just naturally letting it flow. Uh, the only problem I've, ha- I've had with Harden is just he's been extremely careless with the ball, um, especially over, you know, the, the, the first two weeks of the season um he's averaging a little bit under five turnovers a game but um as I just mentioned I have the Rockets Wizards game on um in front of me and he had five turnovers in the first quarter and really forced it um so that's the only problem I have with Harden's performance so far another performer yeah, yeah. um uh, just a just a little quick uh, side note on that if we're
1: talking about big performers is I would stick with Houston and say I've been super
0: impressed with Eric Gordon I never really thought yeah he was yeah that good of a player or that good of a defender and
1: while Ryan Anderson is should have just bought tickets to the game to watch since he's going to spectate on one end of the floor
0: Gordon's
1: (laughs) and even if he does go to the bench it's not a big deal because they'll do what they've done in Toronto with Corey Joseph and Kyle Lowry they'll bring him back in for the fourth quarter and he'll feast on on the reserve units so I'm not opposed to that move I
0: just wish they were starting McDaniels instead of Brewer yeah, I mean, I really un- I understand the move to move Gordon to the bench because the second unit has been atrocious um, yeah. when Harden is off the floor. But I would rather have KJ, and then of course when Pat Beverly comes back and starts, you know, things would hopefully get more comfortable. Um, I agree with Gordon. He's been he's been performing above expectations, especially on the defensive end. Um, he's yeah. he's looked like a solid defender. And I mean, I mean, I hadn't watched That's a lot. Surprising, no? <laughs> like, I didn't that <laughs> Very surprising. I mean. I hadn't watched a lot of Eric Gordon, you know, throughout his career, but you know he had that rep where he was not a good defender. But I mean, unlike Ryan Anderson, and Al- Anderson tries. He just he just has the athletic. He, try. he I think he tries and he means well, but he just has he's really just not an athletic player. Um, Communicates. I, I go back and watch that game in Atlanta. He's standing, watching people, not communicating, not doing any help defense. He's putting so much pressure on everybody else around him. It's brutal. I, I think that the communication overall has, has been a struggle. Um, and, of course, you, you know, Anderson's in liabilities, and you don't have Pat Beverly there. That puts even more pressure on Harden defensively, and, and you know, you don't want Harden to exert that much uh, for defensively if you want him to to be that good uh, offensively. Listen, there's tons of, of teams in the league that have a player that they have
1: to compensate for that doesn't play defense. But his, his uh, level of defense is so bad. Even in the pictures, if you go look at the player grades from the other night, there's a picture of him standing in the paint with his hands by his sides, while
0: two Rockets are trying to go for the ball, and he's just standing watching. Yeah, I remember reading a, a preview for the rockets knicks games last week. Um, I don't remember. I think it was on SB Nation, and the the writer said that um, comparing Ryan Anderson to a turnstile on defense would offend the turnstile because at least the turnstile <laughs> can reject uh, drunk subway goers or something like that. Um, Anyway, so let's move on to uh, uh, some of our other performers. I also have uh, DeMar DeRozan. He's Uh, averaging 35.8 points per game, five rebounds per game on 55% shooting. You know, the the critique of DeRozan and a bunch of other scores is that they weren't really efficient, but DeRozan's hitting 55% from the field. And the interesting thing about DeRozan, he's going kind of against, you know, the conventional wisdom. He's doing it without hitting threes. Um, So, you know, you you work for Raptors Republic. You're a huge Raptors fan. You've watched all the games. What have you seen from DeRozan that's really impressed you so far this season?
1: You know how they talk about when a player – which is a point in their career where the game slows down for him. Mm-hmm. That's exactly where DeRozan is right now. He Next time you watch a Raptors game, when they show the back, the, his backside, look at his shoulders. This is what people don't understand about DeMar DeRozan. He's actually a better defender than most people give him credit for, but like Harden, you can't expect him to do everything. He's a better health defender than people realize he's gotten better on his slides, but... I mean, the bottom line is he is someone who the game has slowed down for and he added muscle in between Rio and coming back. And you're seeing it when he's getting two and three players on him. His, his efficiency lacked a little bit yesterday. He's going to have those days where it's not dead on the money. But he did this the last time when he played for Team USA in Spain, I think, was, was that year when they won the gold medal. And that was the year that he got injured, if you recall. He came into camp the same way. So, and he is hitting threes. He just doesn't take them. He doesn't have to. I mean, Mm -hmm. if you look at Westbrook and him, how crazy is it that these two guys are putting up the numbers they're putting up without the threes? And it's almost kind of a great thing that's happening to just point out that there still are some mid-range shooters in the league that are stellar. Him and Kyle know each other so well. The most impressive thing is he's also putting up other stats. He's also getting around four or five rebounds a game. He's also getting around, well, some some games three, some games four, some games five assists. He's getting steals. But what I'm really impressed by is the leadership of him and Kyle together. They're playing without Jared Sellinger. They're starting the 27th pick at the power forward. Yesterday they started both their rookies and almost won the game. So, it's just really impressive what they do. He's such a quiet-type leader. I, I love the guy. I love that he didn't take meetings with anybody else and just said, no, I'm staying in Toronto.
0: Solid guy, solid character. Yeah, I've been really impressed with DeRozan um, and you know his contributions across the board. Uh, my third performer of the week um, is Damian Lillard. In November, he's averaging 33 points per game, only three rebounds and four assists per game, um, which is a little bit low for his standards, um, at least for the assists, um, but he's also hitting 49% from the field um he just looks like he some some games you watch him and you just know you know Damien's about to take over and you can't do anything about it and then you pair that with CJ McCollum and you just got such a a devastating backcourt at some times um and if the Blazers could you know have just a, a better center um they could be a really a real threat in the west um so what have you liked about Lillard's game so far
1: that's hilarious said that i said exactly the same thing this morning about them needing a center it'll be interesting to see what happens with festus azili when he comes back um whether or not he can live up to expectations because Plumlee is definitely overrated. Uh, mm-hmm. He does it all. I mean, he, he drives the ball, he shoots the ball. McCollum took over yesterday when he wasn't hitting as much. To your point, I think we would rather see him hit, getting more assists, but this kid does it all. This morning on the show with Tony Haim and I, we were discussing, is it a bad thing if he makes the All-Star team? Like, he's not going to lose his motivation, and Tony said, no, no, he'll always have motivation. But, What's not to like about him? He's a younger version of Kyle Lowry, hitting his peak earlier. He was someone that had more years and more mature coming out of college. I love the kid. I love his his tenacity, his bulldoggedness, and you're absolutely dead on the money. They need a front court. They've invested a heck of a lot of money in Portland. Terry Stotts did a great job uh, finding a balance between offense and defense although this year's defense hasn't really lived up to expectations yet but we'll see I think I think they're like one player away from being a true true true
0: contender yeah I mean they've invested a lot of money with you know Alan Crabb mo Harkless Evan Turner it' will be interesting to see what they do with that team over the next couple of years as they hit the luxury tax and get a pretty expensive bill Um my fourth performer of the week is LeBron. Um, in November, he's averaging 25 points per game, 11 assists per game, and nine rebounds per game. And it kind of seems like he's doing it on cruise control. So we don't really have to spend a lot of time on LeBron because I'd rather get more to the disappointing and surprising teams. Um, cool. But I just also want to mention Devin Booker because I read. I read. Um, he's my most improved pick from Summer, so I'm glad that he finally had back-to-back 38 and 39 uh, point performances. Yeah, I think I have read on Twitter somewhere that he is the youngest ever to score 38 plus points in back-to-back games. Um, and he started off the season a little bit slow, but now he's really kicked it up. Um, so I just wanted to mention uh, Devin Booker for another Performer of the Week. Did you have anyone else on your list that I missed?
1: No, just Devin Booker because I was so impressed. I mean, you've got you've got. Um Anthony Davis, but his team's not winning, so it's not worthwhile mentioning what he did. Lowry also had a big performance last week as well. But, yeah, Devin Booker is someone that I pointed out last year, about two months left in the season when the Suns finally let him loose. And people were concerned this year that he wasn't going to necessarily get the minutes, but this kid – His shot is as pure as Clay Thompson's, but if you recall, if you go back to the season that Golden State couldn't get past San Antonio, the reason was because Clay didn't have versatility in his offense yet. Booker had that his first year. Did you know that um, his brother is uh, the Booker on on Brooklyn?
0: Oh, really? Yeah. Wow, I did not know that.
1: And they have a cousin. I forget the kid's name, but they have a
0: cousin playing too. starts with a J. Hmm. (laughs) Yeah, um, you you mentioned Booker's versatility. I mean, he can score off the dribble. I mean, he can take it against the best of them, really. He's not just one of those Clay Thompson, you know, stand around the three-point line and, you know, get the open shot. He really likes to create off the dribble, which is really uh, nice to see. And another interesting stat is that um, I I saw, I think Mark Stein tweeted it uh, a couple days ago. This is the first time ever that six players uh, are averaging 30-plus points per game through the first five games of the season. So got a lot of players putting up some nice stats this year. Yeah, and uh, DeRozan's five games of scoring 30, he's only the fifth player in 50 years to do that. MJ was the last one to do it. Yeah, I mean, a lot of guys are putting up the numbers. And as we will get to now with our disappointing teams segment, um, some of those numbers are not translating to wins. So let's start off with the New Orleans Pelicans. They're now 0-6, and and they've wasted – I mean, they've just wasted incredible performances from Anthony Davis – you have to kind of feel bad for davis at this point and we understand that drew holiday is out taking care of his family and tyreek evans is out injured um but, I mean, if you take that out of consideration, the team around Davis is just not constructed to be anywhere close to a playoff contender. Um, they just cut Lance Stevenson after he got injured and was out indefinitely. And, you know, I tweeted um, that Dell Demps, the GM, and Alvin Drenchy, I would put them on the hot seat, um, especially if this continues. And it looks like it might continue because I don't think their schedule lightens up anytime soon. Um, do you, th- do you see any way for the Pelicans to rebound to make it anywhere close to a you know a competitive race for the playoffs? I didn't
1: know what they were doing in the summer with some of these signings. You know, like Solomon Hill. Sure, he had a couple of good games against the Raptors in the playoffs, <laughs> but he didn't. There was a reason why Frank Vogel didn't play him last year in Indiana because he didn't provide consistent defense. So they went out and spent big money, big TV dollars on guys that they were hoping would perform so and i i'm sorry but i put a bit of this on anthony davis because if you're gonna be touted as being the next great one then you need to do what you need to do and i'll point you to russell westbrook because he's doing what needs to be done
0: Mm -hmm. you know
1: so if he's that good then why isn't he making everyone around him better i'm sorry he's just not and last year when the pelicans were losing games they were losing games often because Anthony Davis was the one giving up on the play. So, and then there's the shade being thrown by Matt Barnes about how they're letting go of Lance Stevenson because he has to have surgery on his groin, like giving up on him already. There's a lot, even in Houston, I'm sure, Eric, because you covered Houston as well, you heard what Ryan Anderson and Eric Gordon, who doesn't really say too much, he doesn't throw a lot of shade, Both of them really kind of, it made you wonder what was going on in that locker room that they were so happy to get out of new Orleans. Something's going on there. And to your point, I think Dell Demps is the one that's really on the hot seat. Not so much Alvin Gentry because he hasn't had the players to work with and he's not making the decisions on personnel.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I really think Dell Demps is in his last season. If they don't really step things, if they don't really turn things around. Um, Yeah. I mean, I've, you know quietly been saying that about anthony davis because it, it seems like if you insult him on public like on nba twitter people will go crazy um but well, come at me, people. <laughs> but i mean I, I i've thought that at least i mean it's a little bit harder i know it's a little bit harder for him being a big man to get people you know involved unlike you know james harden or russell westbrook carrying a team but still i mean people have talked about davis as a transcendent you know player and he's really just has not done anything um significance in terms of, you know, getting them wins and getting them, you know, to be competitive um, for the playoffs and in the playoffs. Um, And, yeah, this this even started, I think, last offseason when they gave Omar Ashik that four-year deal at at $9 million a year, and Ashik has turned into a, you know, not what we saw in Houston, that that brief stint he had there. Um, So, yeah, Pelicans are probably the most disappointing team um, of the season. I I, said they were going to suck this year, so I'm not surprised at all. I think people were just hopeful that now that, you know, they, you know, they were hopeful that Anthony Davis could take another step after kind of a rough year last year, but it's just continuing on from last year. Um, my next disappointing team, the Dallas Mavericks, uh, they're one in five. They got their first win against the Bucks last uh, night. Um, but the thing is that Dirk has been injured and missed most of their games, and he's out at least another week, uh, maybe more. You never know if recovering are Achilles injuries. Um, and they're just not scoring. Their defense has actually been pretty good, but they're not scoring. Yeah, they have a good defense. Um... I think they have the second worst offense in the West. Um, and again, that, Six on offense, sixth on that might change. The offense will probably change with Dirk, but Dirk also makes the defense worse. So, you know, kind of balance itself out. So the Mavs are one in five and, you know, you know, the Dallas Mavericks, they always are you know, going to be competing for that final playoff spot. You know, Rick Carlisle is just a great coach. They just have the guys, you know, know their roles and stuff like that. But it looks like this could be the first year where they are, you know, comfortably out of the playoffs by uh, April. What do you think about the Mavericks?
1: It's very similar for me. I never bet against the Spurs because of Pop's and just who he is and what he is. To
0: a certain extent, I feel somewhat similar to Rick Carlisle. I often, I agree, say, I agree. Yeah, uh, yeah. I often say that Rick Carlisle does
1: exactly what Pop's does, and something he does that I think he does better than any coach in the league is he gets players whose careers are over to perform above and beyond. And let's look. I mean, they've played. Houston's offense came out of the preseason on fire they played Indy they've played Utah they played Portland they've played a lot of tough teams early and to have the 6 defense it speaks to something and that's without Dirk and you know what all the haters for Harrison Barn need to be quiet because the kid's scoring 20.8 ga- uh, points per game 6.5 rebounds he's shooting 45 49% from the field He's shooting thirty-four point eight, a little bit low for him up from the three-point. But this is everyone expected him just to kind of roll over and play dead, and he's playing. Imagine what he's going to be like when Dirk gets on the floor with him, and you got Wesley Matthews spreading the
0: floor as well. Yeah, Barnes has really impressed me. Um, obviously, a lot of people gave them slack for giving him that max contract, and it seemed like a kind of a desperation free agency move. But they saw that he does have some potential, of course, and of course he's so young he's going to grow anyways. The concern I have with the Mavericks is. As I mentioned, they're one in five, and I'm going to read off their next five games: at the Lakers, who have become surprisingly competitive; at the Warriors on a back-to-back; then they play at, (laughs) yeah, just like just like the uh, Dwight revenge game that that probably won't get enough attention; Um, at the Knicks; um, at the Celtics; and then home against the Grizzlies. So those are some tough games, and you know I could really see them going one in four in that stretch, and that puts them. At two and ten, oh, two and nine, actually. Um, I don't know because the Knicks and the Celtics are the 29th, uh, 30th, and 29th worst defenses in the league. That's true. Um, I guess for the Celtics, it kind of depends if you know Horford is back and what's going on with their injuries. But I could comfortably see the Mavericks lo- losing at three of those five games, and that puts them at a real disadvantage um, in the West. Uh, let's move on to a team I mentioned. I'm watching their game right now. Uh, the Washington Wizards. Um, they're, one in, they're one in four. Um, they're down 56-47 to the Rockets at half. So, you know, if things continue, it could be another loss for them. That would put them at one and five. Um, I mentioned the Mavericks schedule getting harder. The the Wizards schedule, um, they're playing Houston tonight. Then they play Boston, Cleveland, and then at Chicago. So those aren't easy games either. Um, I don't really see kind of an edge or a passion for the Wizards that I expected after them having a pretty down year, missing the playoffs last year. Um, Of course, over the off season, there was so much, you know, rumors and stories about the turmoil between wall and Beal and walls being jealous about all these contracts handed out. Um, What, what has disappointed you about the Wizards? Because I know you just uh, groaned right there. So what's disappointed you so much about the Wizards this season? They haven't
1: disappointed me. They're doing exactly what I thought they would do. Bradley Beal is a player that can't stay healthy. That's, plays when the bright lights are on. He likes to go look at me. And when he has to carry the team, he disappears. I'm sorry. Like, Wall does everything and then some for his team. He's, his, the reason his knees have to have surgeries is because he got tired of carrying 14 <laughs>
0: players. You know? Bradley Bill's shooting
1: 37.3% from the field and 296 from deep. This kid just got paid. Everyone jumped all over Harrison Barnes and other players getting paid. They're actually performing. And bill has got Wall beside him and he can't hit. Please. Scotty Brooks is on the hot seat already, and for all those players that said, oh, look, Scotty Brooks has this great offense, and he's used to working with stars. Really? They have the 22nd-ranked defense and the 27th-ranked offense. I've, I'm I've, not surprised at
0: all. I've never been impressed with Scott Brooks as a coach, and when the Rockets were— it was rumored that the Rockets were interested in bringing Brooks, and I was really um, getting nervous that they were going to bring him. And I think Brooks is one of the most overrated coaches in the NBA. Though he I. Yeah, I mean, people people say, you know, just to get Durant, it seems like a pretty desperate move and something that you would think would they would take more time to consider, especially in such an important position of head coach. Um, so, yeah, the Wizards are, again, one of my more disappointing teams. Only, I mean, you said they didn't disappoint you. I expected them to improve a little bit more on, on last season and make the playoffs at least. But, I mean, with this start potentially being 1-5 in five and then those next four games that I mentioned um, – they're in trouble again, like the Mavericks and the Pelicans, to get off to such a slow start. And the the East is no joke, really. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, you would say, "Oh, it's okay, thirty nine wins can get you a, the AC in the East." But it wasn't that. It wasn't the case last year in the East, and it might not be the case this year. So they're going to get off to another rough start. And you know, yeah, I didn't have them making the playoffs. And by the way, I looked up while you we were talking. It's
1: um, Devin and uh, Trevor Booker's cousin is uh, Jordan Hill.
0: Oh, interesting uh, NBA family there. Um, yeah. All right, let's move on to another disappointing team, and this one I have to clarify. I'm, because... I'm going I'm to
1: fight you on this one. I know what you're
0: going to say. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, I, 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 ha- I have to clarify this because I'm only di- I'm only disappointed, I'm not really disappointed with the Timberwolves, just gave away the team, um, yeah. but I think that for people um, not, I want to get your take because I didn't hear your prediction um, for the team's predictions. What did you have the Timberwolves record being this season going into the season?
1: I didn't give a Tom Thibodeau's never had a losing season. Tom Thibodeau, I don't think, has ever had below 50 wins in a season. The first year that he went into Chicago, when it was Derrick Rose as a youngster, and they didn't have much there, he improved them by 20 wins. Now, here's the thing. Yes, they've only won one game. However, they have played Memphis twice. They've played Sacramento, Denver, and OKC. So OKC has the fourth or fifth best defense in the league. But... There's only three teams, Eric, in the league that rank top ten in offense, defense, and net
0: ranking. Do you know who they are? I don't know all ten, but I'm going to assume that the Timberwolves are on that list. <laughs> no, they're not. They're they're just they just miss it. But this is
1: how good they are, and this is my point. The top there's three teams. One of them is Atlanta, who've played nobody. One of them is the Spurs, which, big surprise. The other one is the Raptors, which was, you saw my tweet about Lucky 7 last night. That was the reason. They're 7th in offense, 7th in defense, 7th in net. Mm -hmm. And the Wolves are ninth in offense, 11th in defense, and 8th in net. So I refuse to believe that this team is not going to do something. The fact that he's improved them that much on defense already, given the teams that they've played, I really believe in this team. I believe this week we're going to see some uh, jump from them. They play Brooklyn, Orlando, the Clippers, and Lakers in a back-to-back this weekend. At worst, they'll come out with two wins, possibly three, and possibly a sweep if they really shock, because La, uh, the Lakers are on the back end of that back-to-back. Honestly, this team has been so impressive, and To those haters that are throwing shade at Ricky Rubio, saying, trade him, just throw Dunn in. This is precisely why you don't get rid of Ricky Rubio. He's probably one of the most underrated defensive players in the league. He also is a great assist man. They're missing him on the floor. Yes, Dunn is going to be amazing, but they have to have him coming off the bench and working him in slowly. This team is going to be in the playoffs. I don't care what anyone says. They're going to be that team in the second half where you compare the first half to the second half. Uh, and they're going to have leaps and bounds better. I just, unless there's some sort of major injury that happens, I see this team finishing
0: in six. I really do. I agree with and you. I know that's bold, but that's where I'm at. I agree with you with the Ricky Rubio talk. I really didn't understand people as soon as they drafted Dunn. Um, oh, it's time to trade Rubio. There's no point. You got to keep Rubio. Dunn's not ready, especially if they're, if they're going to be as good um, as you say. Um, I, I just. The only thing with the Wolves is that they've been actually really good for three quarters. Um, the third quarter, they've just been terrible. Um, I remember reading on Twitter, I don't remember what the, how much they've been outscored by in the third quarter, but that's the reason that they're 1-4. I mean, they, they have a good offensive rating, good defensive rating, good net rating, as you just explained. But if they weren't so terrible in the third quarters, which I think will change, um, especially with Thibodeau's coach, I think that'll change. So 1-4 is just an outlying record. I'm not, I'm not you know ringing the alarm bells um, yeah,
1: Cat's been a little bit injured. Andrew's been a little bit injured. How crazy is it that up until – everyone said Andrew couldn't hit the threes. Up until last
0: week, Andrew Wiggins was leading the league for for, for uh, effective field goal percentage from three. He was shooting 60% from three. That is surprising and unexpected. Wiggins, Wiggins is amazing. This kid is, is going to impress everybody.
1: Wigg, uh, so is Cat. Dang has been – Incredible! I saw that last year towards the end of the season. And I really like Bielitsa. This team is one win, Eric, away from turning the corner and just putting down
0: their heads and going. They're going to be the Cinderella team this year. I, I really like Jordi Dieng. Um, and I like the contract extension that they gave him. Absolutely. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I think the Timberwolves are going to be a, a solid team. And even if they don't make that jump to the playoffs this season, this young core is just something you really you want to watch this season, even, even if they're not a playoff team. But in the, next, yeah. in the future, they're just going to be incredible and tearing up the I, league. I call them the organic super team. That's a nice way of putting it. Um, all right, so that concludes my disappointing teams. I'm not sure if you had any other disappointing teams you had on your list before we move on to the surprising teams.
1: starting to come back down to earth and i've got some stuff to say but one, of, i don't think you have atlanta on your on your surprising teams for good so just wanted to point out that atlanta has really played nobody so far uh
0: i have a note and i'll find it while you're talking about your surprising teams and just give that to you okay um so i'm going to move on to some of my surprising teams the first one i have again this is in no order um the thunder i have um I was really impressed with their win against the Clippers in L.A. um, last Tuesday. Um, They've beaten the teams that they're supposed to beat. Um, You know, I had a little bit of concerns when they were struggling to beat the 76ers and Suns to start the season. Um, But they beat those teams. They're beating the teams that they're supposed to, um, which is what playoff teams do. And over the last couple of games, Westbrook numbers have not been as ridiculous as we expected, um, but they're still winning. So that's a really good sign for the Thunder. And it'll only help them if their other players get um, involved more and get you know play up to their potential or their abilities. Um, so I've been impressed with the Thunder. Um, I know you're pretty high on Westbrook and his MVP chances. So what have you liked about the Thunder so far this season?
1: What's not to like? They're fourth-ranked defense. Right now they're 25th on offense. Jeremy Grant has just joined the team. He still hasn't practiced with them. Tony Heim from... Thunderous intentions. Absolutely loves Alex Brines. Thinks he's going. or Brinas. Thinks he's going to be something special. I've been a little disappointed with Joffrey LaVerne so far. Love Adams. I think that that kid is just an amazing kid. And Tony pointed out this morning on the show that they start off the game going inside to Adams, and then for some reason they get away from it, almost like what Toronto used to do with Jonas Valanciunas. So they need to keep up that that going inside to steven in the second half i still think they're gonna see them trade ennis Cantor at some point i, I don't think that sam, um, sam presti has done tweaking things but yeah i mean russell westbrook's my favorite player there's no ifs ands or buts about it i want him to win mvp i just think the kid is is there's no one like him he's the most athletic player in the league he's the one that can adapt his game the most in the league And you hear him talk after he gets like a triple-double saying, I should have had my teammates involved more. I just – I love this team. I want them to do well. I can't wait for that February game. I can't believe the NBA is
0: making us wait till February. That's what I was just saying the other day. I cannot believe they're making us wait that long. How could
1: they not make that the Christmas Day game? However, I will say this. Golden State will play Cavaliers on Christmas Day, and I, I bet you money that the, the Timberwolves OKC game will be more exciting because by that <laughs> time, the Timberwolves will be rolling, you know? I'm glad that they're in. I'm still ticked off that Toronto never gets to play on Christmas, and we have to like put up with certain teams that just because of the market, that that's what it is. But you would think at some point the fact that Toronto has supported their teams and traveled to all these arenas that they would have – uh, deserved. It would have been great to see a Toronto-Detroit game because I can tell you right now, Toronto would have sold. Uh, they would have bought out half the stadium because already when we go to Detroit, it's half Raptor fans there. So that would have been really cool to have on Christmas Day. But yeah, there's not too much not to like about OKC right now. Sure, they need to get some more scoring. Sure, they need some more three-point shooting. But would you bet against Russell Westbrook?
0: I probably would not. <laughs> um. Uh so uh let's move on to the and my next surprising team I have the LA Clippers and of course people expe- expected the Clippers to compete for that second seed in the West and you know some people a good amount of people are picking them to make their comp- Western Conference finals run this year um but I've been impressed because they had you know back-to-back beatdowns and these were beatdowns of Memphis and San Antonio on the road um They're only giving up 90.7 opponents' points per game. They have a really great defense. I think that's first in the NBA um, in terms of points allowed. They have a plus 12. Uh Uh-huh. So, you know, that might come, you know, that might get a little bit better. Um, they have a plus 12-point differential. Again, that's a little bit early because it's the early part of the season, and as you've mentioned, the Hawks have, have a uh, really good point differential and haven't played anyone. But the Clippers have played some some solid teams. They had that loss to the Thunder, and they really refocused and went out and won easily in Memphis, Memphis and San Antonio. Um, so... I mean, I don't want, you know, I don't want to ask you what's been surprising about the Clippers, but I want to ask you more about, you know, do you think the Clippers really do have that chance of the Western Conference Finals run this season? All right, well, let me preface this by saying anyone
1: that's ever listened to me knows that the team I hate the most in the NBA is the Clippers. That said, I have to give credit where credit is due. They've played <laughs> some, out of all the teams that are doing well, they've played some really tough teams. And as you pointed out, to go into San Antonio and give them a beat down the way they did was very impressive. OKC okay, so handed them their hat. Um, what's, the thing is, I don't know how, how good Raymond Felton and then Maurice Spates will be over the course of a season because right now their bench is doing well. But let's be honest, this team's not going to be measured by the regular season. They're going to be measured by whether or not they can get out of the first round of the playoffs.
0: Exactly. And year after year, we say the same thing with their playoff struggles. We thought that 2015 was their year for them if they went up 3 1 against the Rockets and then had that infamous, memorable collapse, especially in Game 6, up 18 to start the fourth quarter at home. Really, it changed. I I loved it as well. Um, It changed my opinion. Uh, It really did change my opinion about Doc Rivers and CP3. I thought, you know, in that game six, they froze. I really think that Doc and CP3, as the leaders of that team, they just froze and didn't know what to do when the Rockets started hitting shots and the Clippers just froze on offense. CP3 was nowhere to be found leadership wise. Doc didn't call a timeout until they were already down by six. Anyway, that's enough rambling about the Clippers.
1: candid title of being the best leader in the NBA I, I don't I don't believe that all I ever see him do is yell at people <laughs> I personally think that Dwayne Wade is the best leader in the NBA because of what I've seen him do when he's compensated to let someone else take the spotlight and what he's done with youngsters around
0: him yeah I, I can Just agree why CP3 is given this crown. I can certainly agree with that and I, I really love Dwayne Wade um I was just gonna mention oh another thing with cb3 i have a problem with it's not really the problem with cb3 is the problem with just general nba fans is that um i've been talking to a lot of people and you know and I, of course as, as a rockets fan I, I always seem to be defending james harden um more than i should have to because people still think he's not that good of a player in comparison to the other stars um and the interesting thing about that is people when you know, trying to bash Harden will always point to how much he flops, and then I bring up, you know, players like CP3, and then they basically try and, you know, they don't equate the flopping, as if, like, Harden, Harden's flopping is, like, a lot worse than CP3s, but, I mean, you see CP3, you know, really hunting for foul calls, and, you know, we've all seen it, and that, that used to be his rep. Um, CP3 and LeBron used to be the biggest floppers in the league, now apparently James Harden is taking that title from them, so... I, after that playoff collapse in 2015, my opinion of Doc has changed. My opinion of CP3 has changed, and yet I still—I don't say I, I don't feel comfortable picking them to make the conference finals because the Spurs have looked good, um, and of course, you know, you never know with injuries. But I think if this is—if uh, we say this every year—but if this is the year for the Clippers, you know, it's got to be 2016, 2017. So we'll see about that. Let's move on to I the. Hope, I hope they're not personally.
1: they don't get past the second round this year that they're
0: going to blow them up uh well see so we we have to clarify so cb3 and blake both have their player options and you know no matter what they're going to opt out to get more money even if they stay in la but i would look at cb3 more than blake um if they get if they lose in the first round or if they lose in the second round i think there's a good you know small underrated chance that cb3 leaves to get a title. Um, we've seen it. Super teams are now the thing. Um, you know not where I think he'll go. Um, are you going to say San Antonio? No. Nope. Okay. Good. Uh, where? I think he'll go to either New York or Chicago to play with one of Wade or Melo because you know how the boys are all tight. <laughs> the banana boat crew. It would be like uh, ridiculous for
1: him to go to the Cavaliers because you've got LeBron's going to want the ball in his hands, so it would be stupid for for CP three
0: to go there. But yeah, I could see him going to New York or going to Chicago yeah um I would I think C b three would leave before Blake would um, just because cB3 has been declared as a point god, and you know he needs he needs to make the conference finals in his career um, so if they don't make it out of the first or second round I could see I could seriously see c b3 leaving i'm not I'm not entirely sure that confident that Blake would leave though I could see it, but a lot of people have been saying that he loves being in L.A. in the big market and we've seen what it's done to his brand so um uh, just to let you know, I pulled up the uh, Atlanta
1: Hawks schedule. So they won against the Wizards, who have been abysmal. They beat the 76ers, they beat the Kings, and they beat the Rockets. The teams they lost to were the Lakers and the second winning against the, the Wizards. So it's not like they're playing like killer teams. We'll find out more this week when they play the Cavaliers, the Bulls,
0: and uh, the 76ers again. Yeah, I think I think when I did my um, season preview uh, episodes of the of the show, I think I had the Hawks as the sixth or seventh seed in the East with like forty five wins or something like that. So I didn't I have them potentially falling out of the playoffs. But... <laughs> wow, you are a lot lower on them than I am, but uh, I did I, I did expect a drop off from last year, so it's a, yeah, we'll we'll find out a lot more about this team. Caveat that they could fall right out of the playoffs depending on whether or not Vogel take some tape that he brought with him from Indiana to put together the Orlando team. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll find out a lot about the Hawks again. We'll find out a lot more about all these teams um, because it has only it's been less than ten games, so we just just you know talking about some trends and stuff like that. So let's move on to another surprising team. This one. They're not really surprising because uh, you know everyone expected the Cavs to be really good, but they're six and zero. I think this is the first time Lebron a uh, Lebron team has started. I think at least five and zero. You know the the Cavs just look really comfortable. You know after last season, you know bringing in Tyron Lue, and not everyone figuring out their roles now. The big three had some problems. You know, LeBron was subtweeting them, seemed like, um, every other day. Um, but the big threes, like, figure out their roles. You know, LeBron's kind of on cruise control. He's letting Kyrie and Love get their stats and their numbers and letting them, you know, do their thing. Um, they're 6-0. and they've, they've had they had an impressive win in Toronto. They've had some, you know, routine wins against the did Knicks. Did you see that game? Uh, I didn't catch all of it, though. So did you know that they got...
1: At the end of the third quarter, they only had six personal fouls called against them.
0: Wow, I did not know that. Yeah, they got gifted that game, dear. They also got gifted the game against the 76ers on the weekend. I, I, I should actually, you know, I didn't put the 76ers on my surprising list team because, well, they are winless, but they've looked impressive and they've they've fought in almost all their games. So yeah, I've been, well, uh, I've been so high on Embiid ever since he was drafted. I'm so happy he's playing, and he's not only playing, but he's doing well. Um, yeah, it's good. Yeah, You wait, but by the time that they're mid will be amazing. Yeah, and I'm just waiting to see what's going on. We'll get to this in our next segment about trade rumors with New Orleans Noel, but I'm interested I'm interested to watch the 76ers front office, see what they can do with what they've been given from Sam um, Yeah, They're definitely an NBA League Pass must-watch team. Yeah, uh, Embiid alone is an NBA League Pass must-watch player. Um, oh, yeah. let's, let's get on to a more interesting, surprising well, team. Just, just for the Cavs, just to let yeah. you know.
1: Okay. So you've got Golden State, who used to be loved by everybody, and now they're the, the villain team, right? So you've got the whole Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook narrative going on there. You've got Dwayne Wade leaving Miami, going to Chicago. You've got Rose and Noah leaving Chicago to go to New York. There's all these things going on. There's all these players having these ridiculous scoring outputs and like things that we've never seen, like 50-point games in the first week of the season and DeRozan's 305 consecutive scoring streak and all these things are going on and meanwhile lebron's just sitting back and normally the title holders come into the season with all the spotlight on them and they're just sitting back basking in the lack Mm -hmm. of spotlight on them he's out there maybe he's missing it because he's out supporting hillary clinton right but let's look at the teams that they've played their first game was against the 30th worst defense the worst in the league the the knicks the game against Toronto, I'm sorry, they got gifted. They lost. They won by three points, but they got gifted. I'm telling you, straight goods. Mm-hmm. Orlando, they played, you know, their 23rd ranked defense. Houston's the 28th ranked defense. Boston's the 29th ranked defense, and the 76ers. So that said, they they are solid, and they still have a bunch of good guys, older guys, vets that they can rely on coming off the bench. In Richard Jefferson, James Jones, now with Mike Dunleavy. This week will be interesting, Eric, because this week they play the second and third ranked defense. They play Atlanta, the Wizards and Charlotte. And Atlanta and Charlotte are ranked
0: two three in defense. So let's see how they fare against them. It'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see, you know, I mean I don't I don't see the Cavs being hungry to, to have a to set, you know, the wins record at all, but you know, as you mentioned, it's it's interesting that you brought it up. You know, they're they're kind of benefiting from all these other storylines, and they just look really comfortable, just you know, doing their thing. Like, hey guys, we're the defending champs. We're just going to go out and play basketball now without without all this attention on us. Um, so I just want to move on to the probably the most interesting or most surprising team, at least in my opinion, are the the L. A. Lakers. Um, they're now four and three after their win last night against the Suns. They've had good wins. They've they've beaten the Rockets, which you know it's not a great win but it was a good win for the home opener um they won in atlanta um which i mean no matter what we both think about atlanta being overrated that is still a good win for a young team in the lakers and they beat golden state which was on the second night of a back-to-back after that thunder game but it was still a good game um and phoenix and and now phoenix so they have some good wins um and the thing is that you know can we start the luke walton for coach of the year hype train yet or are you not on board yet
1: tony i'm already said that today Be- Punch and I was like, "Oh, wait a minute!" Because here's the thing, listeners: the bottom line is, until you reach about the seventeenth to twentieth game in the season, you don't really know. This is a small sample
0: size. That's true. And things will change. <coughs> Excuse me. Things will change
1: as you get more games going. What does happen, however, is teams during the first fifteen to twenty games of the season kind of show the referees what their identity is going to be. So, for example, a team like Thibodeau's team, the, the Timberwolves, will continue to keep fouling every play if they have to until the referees realize, okay, we got to let this go, like when he was in Chicago. The same can be said for what they will do – oh, well, Depot just got hurt uh, – what they will Ooh. do with um, the Lakers because if they keep winning, then suddenly they're going to get the benefit of the call. From my perspective – what they've done, what Luke has done that is really impressive, which should have been done, they didn't have the personnel, obviously, before. But Jordan Clarkson is a sixth man. He should be coming off the bench. They have length. So to your point, you said, you know, Golden State came in and they were on, the back, on a back-to-back, but this is a 73-win team last season. And my listeners' ears bleed every time I say it, but the Achilles' heel for Golden State is length and athleticism. Well, hello, that's what the <laughs> Lakers have. Right? Yeah. So I think we're going to start seeing them downtrend a little bit. They'll play the sixth-ranked defense in Dallas this week. They'll play Sacramento, and Boogie will be, like, doing what he does. They'll play Anthony Davis, who's desperate for a win, and they'll play the Wolves. I, if they come out of that 2-2, two and two, it's a good week for them. I mean, if this team, I, I don't see them sticking around to get a playoff berth, but certainly the seeds are being planted or the type of chemistry, the type of identity this team wants, and yeah, I think all kinds of kudos to Luke Walton. But do you
0: honestly believe they're going to be fighting for that eight seed come April? Oh no, absolutely not. But um, it just it's just nice to see the team playing free under Walton and without Kobe. I mean, at, last year they were just so held back with Kobe's re, uh you know farewell tour and then Byron Scott basically just you know kissing Kobe's feet every day and letting him do whatever he wanted. Um, it really held the team back. They brought a new coach in Walton. Kobe is gone. They move Clarkson to the bench. This team's just just playing free. They're playing as a team. Somehow Walton—I don't know who to give credit for—but somehow they've converted Nick Young to be a, a competent three and D, somewhat of a player. It's really incredible what they've done to some of their players. They're passing the—you know—Julius Randle looks much improved. Um, oh my God! I talked about this. So
1: you tell me. Do you think that kid's good? Because supposedly Luke Walton told him. The next Raymond Green, which to me is absurd, but he's bought into it, right? I think that he is so overrated, but if you got him playing like that, then good for you. But I would like to see them take him while he's at his peak right now and trade him for a real value. If the Lakers were smart, that's what they should do, because I don't think Julius Randle's that good of a player. However, yeah, to your point, they're passing, which is the biggest thing that Luke Walton has bought to that team. He's got guys – now, in all fairness, they
0: played with Kobe last year, and they didn't get to touch the ball. So <laughs> it's true. they're happy to pass the ball because they know it might come back to them. Yeah. And, by the way, the overrated Heat are getting killed by the Thunder right now. Wow. Uh, yeah, the heat, uh, the heat started off well, and then they've, they've come back to earth and, you know, pretty is much – Is Justice Winslow, like, terrible on offense or what? He has been horrible on offense this year, so – it Over- There's some serious concerns there as well, Um, but yeah. So, mm -hmm, yeah, me too. Um, So yeah, that just that concludes my surprising teams. I wanted to see if you had any others on your list that I didn't talk about. Charlotte. Yes, I agree with that one. is a
1: team that I picked to be Charlotte and Detroit were the two teams I picked that could usurp the other teams. Everyone was talking about Indiana. Everyone was talking about Miami and the self-appointed super team Knicks. And I said,
0: I do not see Miami or the Knicks making the playoffs. If they do, it'll be an easy. I agree. I think Chicago's overrated. The two teams I thought that would
1: really surprise, possibly three, I threw Orlando in the mix because what Frank Vogel did with Band-Aids and Paul George last year was out of control. So I do think Orlando will turn it around, but they'll be competing for the bottom more so. But the Detroit and Charlotte were the two teams I thought could buy for that 4-5 or five seed. Kemba Walker has been incredible. Charlotte it ranks third on defense. Right now their offense is only 15, but I love Michael K. Gilchrist. I picked him as my dark horse to win if, if you know Kawhi Leonard's name should be tattooed on the defensive player of the year. <laughs> but if someone does usurp him and it comes from a guard, I think it would be Michael K. Gilchrist. I really like that team. I really like Steve Clifford. He's someone that's similar to Rick Carlisle and he's able to do something on both ends of the floor, offensively and defensively. So that team has been really impressive. The fact that Detroit is still kind of in the mix and they're fifth on defense, low at 19 on offense, but that's without Reggie Jackson. So Stan will get them rolling. And surprisingly on the other end is look how poorly Indiana's playing defensively. They're 27th defensively. So, you know,
0: that's that's where I sit on those, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I've always loved the Hornets because they're such a well-coached and disciplined team. Um, I was high on the Pistons, too. I think I had them in the fifth seed this year, or I think maybe the fourth seed, not sure. And um um and Boston has not looked good now. Everyone says he <laughs> hurt, but he only missed one game. I was just gonna say I was just gonna say Boston looks not as good as we probably expected um after their offseason, But um, going back to the Pacers, yeah. Um I was just so confused with their offseason, mainly just, you know, getting rid of Vogel and just just to promote nate mcmillan who i mean i don't think a lot of teams were you know really coveting nate mcmillan as the head coaching uh, head coach candidate so no. I, I was really really confused with that move by larry bird of course they said and they won't cancer he's had one good game and george hill we just must also point out george hill just won western conference player of the week this year um so i picked him for my dark horse for mvp if they end up doing something really well Um but yeah, so George Hill, he gets there, though. wouldn't it be him? I mean I could totally see being him. I mean, but uh we have to see if the Jazz can get to that high of a level, which I mean I think the Jazz are gonna be a really good team, but we'll see. Um but yeah so going back to you know the Pacers they fired Vogel or you know, let him go and and pr- just to promote McMillan and then they trade um basically just trade uh Hill to get Teague and that is a downgrade and doesn't fit what they want to do because Teague needs the ball in his hands but so does Paul George and then there's Monte Alice there uh the one thing I do like about the Pacers is um Miles Turner I think he's a really promising young big man has looked really good um I think
1: they're Per se, so yeah, they've got Jefferson they brought in, but you know he's one stub to o away from being put out to pasture. So <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that, and I I don't know. I mean, Paul George is definitely a great two way player, but a little bit of a brat as we saw this past week, and uh, I, I Monte Ellis doesn't fit the mix anymore. Nate McMillan was notorious for playing slow pace, and they want to play fast pace. Their defense has taken major strides backwards. Jeff Teague is a total cancer. I I mean, George Hill... Look, Popovich has only ever gotten teary-eyed twice in the career that I can remember. Once was saying goodbye to Timmy, and the other time was
0: trading George Hill, and that was to get the best two good players (laughs) in the league and Kawhi Leonard. So, you know,
1: people underestimate George Hill and his ability and what he does. He was the one that helped fix the severed, fractured locker room of uh, Paul George and, and Roy Hibbert back in the day. So that what he does leadership-wise just can't be overestimated. Like, the kid is so good. I, I really love George Hill, and I, I, I don't – I mean, we saw what George Hill, uh, Paul George can do on his own. Miles Turner, I agree with you, is amazing, but I still think he's got another year of development left to
0: go. I agree, and th- I think they might rely on him too much, especially if they're going to be trying to fight for that playoff spot. Um,
1: we also got to show my Raptors some love. Come on. Like, they're playing with two rookies with, like, a lot
0: of minutes. Yeah, no, the Raptors have been really impressive as well. So, you can... one, of the top, one of those top three teams, and they've actually played tough teams. Yeah, they've had, a, they've had a, a good amount of challenges so far, and they've looked really good so far, and they should most likely be the second seed in the East again. Um, so just to conclude, just a couple more minutes left, um, just want to talk a briefly about some trade rumors that have been flowing around. They haven't been serious trade rumors, but we've known for a while that Nerland's Noel, or the Sixers at least, are trying to shop either Okafor or Noel. And then the, when Noel around training camp basically said he doesn't understand what they're doing, that basically everyone thought, okay, Noel is going to be the one to be traded. Um, and so I, I don't know where I read this, but I saw this on Twitter, I think, and there was a rumor for Nerland's Noel to the Raptors for Corey oh, Joseph and a first rounder. Okay. I don't think it should happen, though. It's um, not gonna happen. <laughs> here's the thing
1: the Toronto Raptors keep everything very close to the vest I'll give you an example Jared Sullinger had to have the Jones fracture surgery what did they say uh, he's having surgery to relieve discomfort in his foot <laughs> they are the most they keep everything so closely guarded whenever you hear about a Raptors trade most 9 times out of 10 99 times out of 100 9,999 times out of 10,000 it's just them using it because they know the raptors won't decline it they won't they won't deny it and they won't agree with it they just let you talk so the one thing the raptors do and i can point you to the fact that they're playing yakaproudle minutes in every game and pascal siakam who i loved that trade i was so happy nobody on really knew who he was and I was jumping up and down for joy when they got him because he's going to be a very special uh, glue player for the team. He, I don't know if you know this Eric, but his first season at New Mexico, he's only played four seasons. His first season he took 16 shots out of the paint, hit three. Last year he took 300 and hit 44.5%. Mm-hmm. He's a very smart kid, high IQ. They go for quality, high quality uh, character guys. New Orleans Noel This was not well publicized. Everyone thought that Okafor was the the cancer. He's not. New Orleans Noel got thrown out of a mansion for trashing it. He sent his friends over to the neighbors with death threats because they complained about the parties every night. He's not a
0: high-quality character. The Raptors will have nothing to do with him. Yeah. I mean, I, I, there have been serious concerns about Noel's character. He's obviously had some injury concerns. He hasn't even played so far this season. Um, but it, I, I guess I mentioned before, it's gonna be interesting to see what the 76ers front office does if they trade Okafor and Noel and who they get back because, I, think trade them both. I mean, it, it's interesting because, you know, Hinky obviously was stockpiling these big men, you know, with the idea of trading them in the future, but now Hinky's not there. So it's going to be interesting to see what the new front office can do with what they've been given from Sam Hinkie. Um, So, yeah, that's just – that's basically what I had. I mean, so, you know, if you had any other final thoughts, uh, Tamberlin? I
1: I would just say that I think that it would behoove Philadelphia to try to trade both Okafor and and Noel, and I think that is their game plan. It's not that they're against Okafor. It just makes more sense to have Dario Saric, Ben Simmons, and Joel Embiid as their core moving forward, and they definitely need to get a point guard. We'll see what happens if – here's my thoughts this is this I'm gonna throw this out there if Houston ends up getting demo signed I could see them letting Tyler Ennis go and Tyler Ennis is an old-school point guard who I think could really help Philadelphia
0: um, so, I, I I it's possible, but, I mean, I from what, I haven't watched a lot of Ennis. I mean, I, he did play in Syracuse, which is where I go to school now, so I have seen some of his games in college. From what I've seen so far this season with the Rockets, he has been um, uh, horrible, um, but maybe it's not working out because he's not fitting in the system. Uh, he's turning the ball over. He gets assists. He knows how to run the pick and roll with all those big
1: guys there. He'd be the perfect complement to Ben Simmons and those guys. I, I mean, that. Brown would be the, luck, the likely one to be let go, but he's Harden's friend, so I'm just throwing that out there. But they need to get a point guard.
0: Yeah, That's the 76ers do need a guard for sure. I think mean, um, is out with an injured wrist, but he's not really a point guard. He's more of a shooting guard. Exactly. Um, so, all right, uh, thank you, Tamblyn, for joining us. I just want to let you uh, throw out your social media and, and where everyone can find your work so they know to look forward uh, to your work in the future.
1: Okay, well, as Eric said, I'm the managing editor at Space City Scoop. I'm a contributor for Raptors Republic. You can find me on Twitter at capital T-T-O-T, lowercase a-m-b-z, that's at T-T-O-T-A-M-S, and my
0: Facebook page, Tamberlin's Tip-Off. And thanks for having me, Eric. Thank you for joining us, Tamberlin. Hopefully, maybe one day in the future, you know, it took us a while to get you on my show. Maybe, you know, hopefully in the future I can go on your show and we'll have a little bit more fun. (laughs) Absolutely. I will definitely return the favor. All right, take care, Tamberlin.